never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview because I've got Anissa Hudek with me. Anissa uh, and I had scheduled this, this interview for a long time and, and life is interfering as always, but now I'm so excited to have her on because Anissa's speciality and her main focus in her work and her passion really is PTSD. Uh, it's a topic that unfortunately is far too close to me and myself. And I'm living proof that a man's man can deal with everything. It's a heap of bullshit. Um, because the way I dealt with it was with all the wrong coping mechanisms, i.e. alcohol and workaholic and all those things. So uh, maybe, maybe Anissa has got today a few insights that could have helped me a while ago and hopefully is helping you, I, you guys out there. Anissa, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on finally and getting to be here with you. We, <laughs> exactly. Like you said, we have had this planned for quite a while, so <laughs> I'm excited to be here. <laughs> uh, look, Davis, I, I strongly believe that everything happens for a reason. And uh, it is, we both, since we first made contact, we matured. We both have transformed further because we both have been victims of violence. We both have been uh, people who now are trying to make sense of our suffering and sense of uh, give meaning to what we have been through and, and try to in, impact others and make this world a better place. And therefore, only you have become stronger. I have become stronger since then, which is actually an amazing and beautiful thing, this post-traumatic growth. Having yes. said that, um, in order to grow, there needs to be the trauma. <laughs> that's that's a bummer. Okay, wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if you can just grow? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. <laughs> well, so but so what? Come on, there's there's trauma out there. Okay, and I'm a man. I can go through. Um, I mean, what's your take on such on such a core belief that many men and many women are actually the living proof of? You know, I had the honor of working with some of the military here in the U.S. Um, I stationed right out of Fort Riley, Kansas. My husband active, was actually active duty, and uh, I got to work with their warrior battalion, uh, wounded warrior battalion. And so I worked with folks who had, um, you know, physical medical issues, cancer, heart attacks, what have you, and then um, amputees and also um, those invisible wounds. And I would have these men come in and they were hysterical. I loved them because they'd come in and be like, yeah. Now, preface this, I'm a yoga therapist. And they would come in and be like, yeah, I'm gonna like stretch a little. And what is this like ballet or something? And then we're gonna take a nap. Sure. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Nice try. Okay. And then we go through this class and about halfway through, I see them like sweating no. and, you know, almost in tears. They have no idea what is happening to them. And then afterwards, they would very quietly come back up to me and say, oh, uh, ma'am, uh, that was really amazing. I'm not really sure what happened, but I, I kind of feel good. I'll see you again next week. 
<laughs> and so they would come back in and week after week, they would fall in love with this. Uh, and then they would start bringing their friends. Dude, you got to try this. This is amazing. You won't believe it. It's not like the ballet stuff we think it is. It's excellent. Excellent. But um, there is, I mean, there's there's so many different versions of yoga out there. Let's be quite clear about it. It's the same as if you say, oh, really, I don't like European food. Yeah, right. Come on. There is there's, there's so many versions of food. You're kidding me. Um, and it's the same with yoga. So uh, my educated guess, Anissa, is that your version of yoga is rather a trauma-focused yoga. And that you're actually uh, rather than than praying to the sun god, um, you you have got other intentions there with your yoga. So where where makes what makes your yoga style or the way you apply movement? What makes that so different to maybe more traditional versions of yoga? Well, I think that you have um, you know if you look at yoga as a pie, mm. and you split the pie in half, one half is fitness based yoga. And you have a lot of yummy different options there. You know, there's Ashtanga and Bikram and Oed Naked Hot Yoga if you're in New York or, you know, whatever, <laughs> right? Aerial Yoga and all kinds of fun stuff. And then on the other side, you have yoga therapy where we have really um, niched down and we work with a specific group of people. Um, so you have yoga for cardiac rehab and um, Parkinson's, MS. I happen to work with people who have PTSD and, and TBIs, traumatic brain injuries. What makes my class different? Well, obviously, I think it's me. Um. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. You are the conduit. You are bringing the ideas across and you are allowing an atmosphere or you are actually actively creating an atmosphere um, that is conducive to healing. Um, so of course it is you that is taken for granted without blowing your own trumpet. That's that's just that's you. But um, then you could just sit there with them and have a cup of tea, and uh, that, that would be the same thing, would it not? In some respects, you're actually kind of close. So my class is really different than your 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 regular Zen yoga class. You know, you think you're going to go in, it's going to be really quiet, and the instructor's going to tell you from pose to pose to pose. That is so not my class. It is so not my class. And people are really blown away by how different my class is. First off, the lights always remain on. Hmm. Number two, I never leave my mat. And if I do have to leave my mat, I announce where I'm going, what I'm doing, and uh, you know, you know, because people with PTSD don't like people walking behind them and what is she doing? Where is she going? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, 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 no. no. Um, if I, I generally don't touch my clients, I will cue something till I'm blue in the face. And if I do want to touch my client, maybe to help them get into a, a pose, of maybe a little better or what have you, I'll say, okay, I'm going to leave my mat. I'm going to come to you. Is that okay? Do you mind if I touch you? Mm. Before I even leave my mat, mm. I will ask them. Because if they don't, there's no sense in me getting up. Mm. But um, they have that agency. I'm giving them back their power. Mm. I don't tell them what pose to go into next. I suggest. I invite them. Mm. Please meet me here when you're ready. 
Hmm. People can do it in their own time. They can do a variation of the pose. I give them lots of options. Hmm. Absolutely. Lots of options. Hmm. And then the key is that it is so not quiet. It is more like the Anissa stand-up hour. I talk the whole bloody time. <laughs> we talk about current events. We talk about food. We talk a lot about food. Usually most people are hungry after my class because uh, I'm a foodie. <laughs> um, we, you know, what did you do last week? And hey, your kid had a soccer game. How'd they do? You know, um, whatever it is, we are talking the whole time. And every once in a while, I'll say, okay, we're going to move into there. Meet me when you're ready. I'm moving their bodies. They're totally moving the whole time, but they don't even realize what they're doing. Excellent. I am not a talk therapist. That is not my scope of practice. My scope of practice is to get people moving their bodies in a way that helps them to reset their central nervous system. And I can do that in a way where they're not even thinking about it. They're not thinking about the episode. They're not thinking about the experience. They're not thinking about the depression, anxiety, whatever. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about whatever food we're talking about or what have you. And before they know it, an hour has passed and I've been able to help them move their body in a way where they have released some of their baggage, helped to reset their central nervous system and have grown their bandwidth mm. so they can handle more stress Beautiful. and heal. I mean, and we know that. I mean, that is the, one of the first things that that probably you will introduce your 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 clients or your 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 victims or oh no, I hate that word victim. Uh, survivor. Was more, <laughs> survivor. 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 Um, okay, like that, those people in the room with you uh, is probably the breathing and the breathing, the deep diaphragmatic breathing. We know has such a power on the parasympathetic nervous system, so the opposite of fight and flight. Um, and we talked so many times in my show about those, those the impact of of proper diaphragmatic breathing. So it's gorgeous. So I love my breathing. I mean, it's just you know not just air going in and out. There's so much more to it. Love it. But you are you are doing a bit more than than just breathing. You are making them uh, move. Now you could argue in in this group they are soldiers. They're moving all the time. So what's the bloody difference? Um, what is the difference between normal movement and movement that releases the tension, that helps you um, actually maybe even explore some of the issues that are underlying your problems? There are certain, well, let me back up. The body traps trauma in, on a cellular level. Because it doesn't just happen in your brain. It happens to all of you. Hmm. And so you, your body holds on to that trauma, cellular level. However, we know that there are certain muscle groups in the body that hold more than others. Hmm. So I actually work that muscle group to exhaustion. Nice. What happens when that happens? Well, they start to quiver and shake. Have you ever had leg day at the gym and, and you feel like jelly? Yeah, that's what I'm after, the jelly. You may or may not even feel it. However, it happens. By doing that, we're able to help reset the central nervous system, take the body out of fight and flight, back up into the upper echelon brain, and give them more bandwidth to work with. 
Nice. Which muscle groups do you target? Are there examples that we can do right now whilst we're sitting here? Um, I doubt it because you're sitting on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, there is a reason I, that we're only filming this much. Most of us are sitting actually comfortable in, oh yeah, let's not discuss any further. Um, <laughs> so maybe not. <laughs> we are not in a yoga studio yet. We're, um, we're not in a yoga studio yet. Um, no, so um, that's interesting. Have you, so you, have you, you heard of Dad, Have you heard of the uh, psoas muscle? Oh, hell yes. Little critter. Yes, that's my friend. Mm, okay. So the psoas muscle is such a beautiful beast that runs in on the inside of your tummy. Um, from the, It attaches to the spine and sort of comes down into the pelvis. And normally you don't know much about it. But that critter is often involved in interesting games. And if you ever find someone who actually wants to release uh, that psoas muscle, let's say a chiropractor or so, you bloody well get to know that uh, if it's tense or not. So well, that's what we do on the yoga mats. Beautiful. Now, there is a nine minute um, activity that we could do that actually does release the psoas on the yoga mats. Mm -hmm. This is something that I do not take lightly. And I do not do often with my clients. If I think that they're ready and, and they're ready to go there, then we do it. I do it one-on-one. -on -one. It is not done in a group type setting um, because it is so powerful. However, in our daily classes, we are working the psoas trail, which starts behind the knee, mm -hmm. goes into the inner thigh, then goes into the psoas, which also is known as the hip flexors. Mm -hmm. From there, it just, just as you said, jets into the back, goes up the spine and goes to where the spine and the skull meet. So that is the psoas trail. So you are going to be getting a full body workout as we you know, warm up the trail and then we get in deep. Now, the psoas is the deepest muscle of your body. And I would have to say it's probably the most important, more important than your heart and lungs. Since you know so much about it, wouldn't you agree? I just had a, a bloody revelation there, um, a revelation from multiple, multiple things. First of all, whenever I get a flashback, uh, whenever PTSD is hitting me, um, I get a response. <clears throat> I inevitably completely tense up to the front. So it's as if I want to close up here. Uh -huh. And it happened, happened all my life, basically, uh, this way. The second thing is from experience as a hunter, when you shoot an animal and you unfortunately, let's say it's running and you haven't given enough lead and you don't hit the chest cavity, but the abdomen, uh, what happens is the same response there. And that's the reason that all the other deer are jumping a fence and, and running away. This deer will stand there um, because it actually can't release its, its abdomen um, and is protecting it. Um, that is just weird. So I've just had, uh, see guys, that's what happens. That's what happens when you actually start diving into topics that you think, yeah, okay, I know everything about that. And suddenly you get, ding, the lights go on. How cool is that? How cool is that? Not scripted, No, none of that bullshit here. That is true. I have grown with Anissa, just talking to Anissa. Love you to bits, girl. 
um that is that is amazing sorry so what was your question secret because i had that light bulb moment there <laughs> you just answered it you just answered it so yeah. why is that the, why do i feel that that's the most important muscle in the body because it does exactly what you just described it brings you into the fetal position mm. if you didn't have those two muscles doing that for you you would have no defense for anything that's in the trunk your heart, your lungs, your liver, none of it would be protected. Mm. So without those two little muscles doing that work, you're defenseless. Mm. Now, the other thing is the psoas muscle is also the emotional warehouse of your body. So all of your joy, your love, your sadness, your grief, your frustration, your anger, mm. all of that is contained there. And that is why we have to work that muscle. We have to get that baggage out of there. We got to clear it out. So you have more bandwidth. And from a physiological state, it helps to reset the central nervous system, which takes you out of the reptilian brain and back up into the upper echelon brain. Hmm. This muscle, these two little muscles are so vitally important. Beautiful. They're beautiful, beautiful. And again, there is the truth. I mean, that is the, the, the classic, um, the classic, how shall I say that? Sorry, me now um, having that revelation. I'm literally a bit, bit frazzled and just i i knew that reaction that is always me and and so that was yeah that's my ptsd kind of thing um suddenly to put all the pieces together suddenly you, you see a different piece of the whole puzzle and so therefore that threw me just a little bit <laughs> and also um it makes me wonder what the fuck will happen if i am now starting to actually focus on that muscle and um and do things so uh i'm amazed what just happened here so therefore so forgive me that i am uh i'm a bit befrazzled and that my brain actually can't find the right words <laughs> so i need to regroup okay. for a second that's it's fucking okay. yeah, that's that's what happens to your to your soldiers um hmm. it does and um you know you had asked me about you know men and women women come at it from a very different way just hold for a no, no, let's go to that. I love that. That we that we discuss that as as part of the um as part of the, the interview. Um and maybe that is that is a way that we can now continue uh with that. So we do five seconds pause and then I continue talking. Okay. I had to take a little pause here um, because I was quite frazzled after after that little revelation. Uh, it's just a bit spooky when suddenly things fall in place in your head and you get these light bulb moments. They can overshadow everything else, and uh, which is so beautiful. But I mean, I mean, one of the things that now intrigues me is you were talking about this kind of really powerful. Uh, relationship between psoas muscle uh, trauma and and our kind of survival kind of thing and we were talking about men uh 
who are sort of maybe prime type A characters. Um, is the same happening with women? I mean, how does how does a, a woman's body um, respond to stress? Is that not the same, or is there other differences? Well, I did get to work with some female soldiers, which was wonderful and gratifying. And I'm actually still in contact with many of them still to this day. Um, I stepped away working with the military, and now I just work solely with women who have been sexually traumatized. Um, I am a two-time rape survivor, so I walk that walk every day, and those are the women that I chose to really work with. And they come at this at a very different way. Um, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I don't know if I can do this. Um, I'll try it. They're very hesitant. They're very um, tip the toe in kind of a thing. Um, and what they find is that in my class, it is warm. There is no judgment. There is no competition. There is no, oh, look at that fat roll falling onto the mat. You know, we all have them. Um, it is, we can talk about things that we can't talk about with men in the room, which is kind of fun sometimes. Um, and, you know, because we're dealing with the psoas muscle, we're also dealing with, um, and because we're primarily all victims of, not victims, survivors of sexual assault. We're also talking about um, sexuality and, you know, um, getting our groove back and how to do that. And it's really interesting to see how the yoga, um, not only does it help us physically, but how it really reshapes the way we see ourselves, how we re-see our, our sexuality and, and feeling that way again and allowing ourselves to feel that way. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. There's a lot more tears. I will say there's a lot more tears than when the guys are there. I, I have seen men cry, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, in my classes, when someone cries, we cheer for them. We tell them to cry, let it out. You don't have to hold on to it. It's a warm environment. We, we encourage, I encourage crying. You know, in fact, a lot of people ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? And, you know, I, I inevitably say I make people cry on their mat. <laughs> okay. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. But and, how does, how does the, how does working your, the yoga facilitate that? Again, the question for me is, are you just simply asking the right questions whilst you sort of happen to move? Or are you actually uh, providing the environment where they can gain or where they gain trust and rapport and know that, okay, in theory, if they wanted to, they can be honest? Um, how do we, what does happen in the body? How does it, do we have any inkling at all how that actually works when we release those muscle tensions? and how they affect our emotions? Well, um, the mat is a double-edged sword. So I always like to say that I have a magic mat. What I do is purely based on silence. 
science. Science. <laughs> Not silence. I think <laughs> I think you're the opposite of silence on your I mat. I am the opposite of silence. <laughs> yes, um, because in my in my classes with females, we are always talking about food, activities, current events. Nothing has changed. We might talk and, and bash men a little bit more. However, um, you know everything I do is based on science. However, the mat is so magical because something happens and I cannot script it. I facilitate it in a way and I don't even know how it's magic. And that is, you know, even though I'm keeping their minds occupied, all of a sudden something happens. Just like you had occurred, something happened. A click was made, a light bulb came on, dots were connected, Hmm. right? That happens all the time on the mat. And emotion comes with that. Hmm. You were emotional. You were frazzled. Hmm. I can't script it. I I don't take much credit for it. I mean, I facilitated it in some way or fashion. Hmm. But again, it's that is the magic of yoga, Hmm. not the science. That is the magic and the beauty of yoga. And there's a lot of healing that happens in that space, not only from a a physical standpoint where, you know, we're resetting the central nervous system and we're releasing this muscle and those are, that's science. But there's this beautiful thing that occurs when a shift is made on the mat and there's emotion that comes with it and a release. Very, very interesting. And that is so beautiful. And after all, if you look at the word motion, the only thing you need to do is give a little E in the front and you've got emotion. So maybe that is the the way we should look at, at our healing pathways. Because we all have got different traumas and often traumas come in layers. So therefore, it's a bit like a Rubik's Cube and you've got all so many facets there of your own story. So yes, that makes you unique. Yet, um, there are only so many ways that a body can respond to whatever stress or distress you throw at it. So therefore, it makes sense that you actually go back to the commonalities, uh, to the common ways that we respond to the trauma, that our body responds to the trauma, and start unpacking it that way. And that regardless where that then leads, regardless what has been causing or what is currently causing you to be off your game, to be preoccupied, to be maybe physically and mentally very unwell by actually allowing you to move (laughs) the motion um, is releasing the emotion. And I love that. I love that concept. Um, Beautiful. What would you advise people to do um, who are, who are going through trauma and, or who have gone through trauma? I mean, but what is your take on on PTSD in its own right and its effects on the body uh, before it becomes actually PTSD? 
you know, when you're in school, you're, you have to take biology classes. Huh. And even before you get to that point, you kind of know just because of experience that if you break a bone, you're going to go to the hospital, you're going to get an x-ray, they're going to put you in a cast or a splint, and in about six weeks, you're going to be better. However, we all have central nervous systems, but nobody ever discusses how you reset it when it goes offline. Mm -hmm. And it will happen to you. Mm, absolutely. Every person it will happen to. So we know how to fix a bone, but we don't know how to reset our central nervous systems. What's wrong with that? Why aren't we teaching that? Mm -hmm. That's a sin. <laughs> Oh, look, it is, uh, regrettably, these are insights that we too take for granted nowadays, that so many people around us barely touch, and we're talking 2022 now. Um, uh, certainly when my traumas, uh, the main trauma occurred, um, that was, you know, the 70s, 80s. Uh, no one gave a damn. No one knew much about it. So it, we are talking about actually some more newer developments and newer appreciations of how things are linked together. So we can't go back in time and blame the people then, but we can certainly ask the questions now. Should we not maybe do a little bit more of awareness there? Would you, if you had the power, would you recommend to school boards that they put some yoga, uh, some trauma focused yoga uh, into schools? Absolutely. Uh, but also, too, what are you teaching in biology class? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Cell mitosis is all quite pretty. Um, but yeah, if you actually go a little bit more um, towards the fact that one in three, one in four women will experience a sexual assault in their lifetime, one in seven. One in two. One, one in, in two. two. Bloody hell, these one figures are going up every second here. Well, think about it because of underreporting. Yeah, of course, of course, you're right. Um, even, I mean, if you take 300 million um, Americans, it makes 150 uh, with two X chromosomes. Um, and, that's, and then we say one in two, that's 75 million. Damn, that's, these are numbers that make your eyes water. And with that, we but are not- also, But you also have men. I was about to say, one in seven, um, that is over a lifetime. So, and we sometimes are so often um, are so full of shame um, because we are supposed to be men. We are supposed to be the hunters and gatherers. So therefore, there is even far more underreporting. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is brutal. It's very, very brutal, these kind of, um, these kind of stories. So However, you will also have people who get PTSD from car accidents, mm, being mugged, you know, uh, clowns. Um, you know, whatever it is that creates your trauma, creates your trauma. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual violence. And so, again, we all have central nervous systems. And at some point, it is going to go offline. Something is going to cause it to go offline. And we don't know how to fix that for ourselves or get the help we need to fix it. What would you recommend? What, why, how can we address that? What would you do different if you were looking at your immediate environment in the environment of your 
maybe wider acquaintances, if you look into schools, what would you do? I would get into high school biology classes. Hmm. I mean, I've been doing, you know, podcasting just to get it out there. So people are listening and saying, oh, that's how that works. Hmm. This is what's going on. You know, there is no shame in this. I mean, are you are you shamed when you break a bone? Exactly. Are, are you shamed when you have cancer? Mm. There is nothing wrong with this. Mm. It's just something that has to be fixed. However, there is such a stigma with this, and it's ridiculous. Mm. When we look at the science behind it, it's totally ridiculous. But it's because of how the symptoms show up, mm. unfortunately. And I think that is the important bit. And we, unfortunately, we do suffer tremendous pain and from the inside, um, from, from trauma, from our emotions. So there is pain and our, we hate pain. So guess what we do? We try to escape our reality. And that is where we're coming really to, to I guess, my, my background, where I used alcohol um, to, to just escape, to just numb the pain. And guess what? Initially, it actually worked really well. Um, guess what? Down the line, no, not so much anymore. There was not enough vodka in a in, uh, small country to actually numb me enough to not feel the pain. And that is such a common scenario that we try to self-medicate with whatever we can get our fingers on, from alcohol to drugs, that we change behaviors, do behaviors that we are not so proud of, the gambling, the overeating, the uh, the sex with everything that has a heartbeat, um, anything to make us escape our reality. And that is humans in a nutshell. We are we hate pain and we love pleasure. And unfortunately, no one is ever teaching us um, how to deal with pain. Our society is not really very good in role modeling that on the contrary. Everything is designed to um to immediate satisfaction, immediate satisfying your needs. And um what better to do than have something sweet for a little child that falls over? Oh my god, you scratched your knee. Come on, here's a lolly. Sugar rush, bing, pain, sugar, rush. Ooh, that's how it works. Thank you, grandma. Now I know. Um, yeah, uh, guilty as charged here. Um, so maybe there are ways that we can, can address that. Maybe there are ways that we can raise awareness. And that's exactly what you're doing, Anissa. That's exactly where you're going out there and making a difference by speaking out about those things. Anissa, where can people find you? Where, how does it work? I mean, we're living in this funny COVID weird thingy uh, time. Um, are you working over uh, over Zoom? Are there ways that, that people can touch base with you? Yes. Um, so I currently live in Kansas, still right outside of Fort Riley. Hmm. And um, I live in a place where the livestock outnumber the people. <laughs> and the cows really aren't digging the yoga. Ah. The bison, they like it, but not so much the cows. Um, so now I moved everything actually prior to COVID. Um, I am uh, completely online. Beautiful. I do one-on-ones with um, both male and females, no matter what your trauma is. Um, 
And then starting on January 1st, open to the public will be my membership for ladies only who have been sexually assaulted. And I'm super excited about that membership starting. There's going to be live and recorded classes and meditations and yoga nidras and education and all kinds of fun stuff inside. So I'm really excited about that. Um, my website is traumahealingyoga.com. And all over the socials, you can find me. I'm like a bad penny. I just keep showing up. Traumahealingyoga.com. Now, I'm not groovy. I'm not on like Snapchat or TikTok. I am, I'm old. I'm not that groovy. But you can find me on all the regular stuff. Fantastic. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of our uh, podcast, because all the, the info is down there. And, and what have you got to lose, guys? I mean, trauma comes in layers. There's no two ways around that. And healing comes in layers, too. It starts with revelations, starts with you thinking, oh, okay. But then you can't just do, do, you know, one time, one thing, and then you're cured of your trauma. It doesn't work like that. So assuming for a bit that maybe you have tried a few things in the past to get to the topic and maybe it was too painful or whatever you tried didn't work who knows if you try something new maybe just maybe um you will get a breakthrough um happened to me today here on the show for crying out loud um can you imagine if you now take action and you actually now literally move your body um your body has got so many messengers that it sends you all the time. And often enough, you don't listen. But imagine now if the right messages are coming through, those messages that are important for your body, uh, that's where your body has been screaming out maybe forever with pain in certain areas of your body. Um, maybe now if you start addressing what's really going on underneath there and layer for layer, like an onion, peeling back the trauma, and layer for layer, healing. Could you imagine that maybe in a week, you might feel already a bit different? In a month, do you imagine that you have made so quite a few impacts on your in your own path to healing? What about three months? Could you imagine that you're a very different man or woman? Shit, yeah. So, guys, I am living proof, and Anissa is living proof, that the past does not equal the future. We are living proof that there's post-traumatic growth. And it's just sometimes so hard to see. And if you're in stuck in the middle of the trauma, or if you have never been exposed to it, and to, to different ways of healing, um, you need to start somewhere. But wherever you start, you need to take action. That's starting. Sorry, guys. You can't just say, oh, cool. I've just now listened to this podcast. It will now just get better. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. So <laughs> it needs to take action. So one of the things you can do uh, by taking action is you can go out and yeah, you can buy my steps to sobriety if you wanted to have uh, a bit of a of a look at at uh, a stepwise approach how you can get yourself uh, maybe. Uh, a different set of coping mechanisms uh, that suit you maybe better rather than than trying to drown your sorrows because these bloody critters can swim 
I had to find that out the hard way. So that would be one that 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 would be one start. Um, how about another start? If you want to be more practical, get in touch with Anissa. Anissa is waiting. Anissa is a woman who has done it once or twice. Um, so she has built up a tremendous experience. And you know, you can't you can't reinvent the wheel all the time. Why not use someone who actually been there, done that, and has maybe a good path and is further down the path? So um, create power teams in which you are the dumbest member of the team, because otherwise, if you know everything, well, why the hell do you want the team? Um, so expose yourself um, in the right way, of course. So this is this is children's friendly show. Um, so Anissa. I'm so grateful for you to come onto my show. Thank you. You made me uh, you made me realize a few things here today, and the work that you are doing is so important. The more we can help people out there, the better. So I'm so grateful for what you are doing. I take my hat off you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and I'm so glad we finally got this to work out. It's been <laughs> lovely being here with you. <laughs> thank you so much, guys out there. Look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.